And welcome once again to another edition of Footnotes. Pastor Mark here, and today in the studio, I have the three queens of North Point Christian School. Ann Tapp is to my left, Judy DeFriend is straight across, and Tony Manley is to my right. Ladies, what did I do to deserve this special day of distinction? Please tell me that. You got heads on the tail. I got heads on the tail. That's it. All you right. Won. You won. I won. I won. Miss Tap. You're just being you. Just being me. Mr. Friend. You're a one lucky guy. One lucky Ooh. guy. That's right. That's right. Okay, so to start out, let me let me explain that first of all, you are all uh, teachers at SBEC North Point Christian School. And I feel like I have to say both because for years it was called SBEC. That's when I taught there, and now it has the wonderful name North Point Christian School, both good, both in our heart, and so when we say one, we say the other. But you ladies are also church members at Broadway. You've taught at North Point, and and we say this with all due respect, for a long time, a long time. And thirdly or fourthly, I got the distinction of teaching with you at North Point SBEC. We all taught together. So we have a lot of church members that are involved in the school ministry, no doubt. There's a lot of people we could have brought into the studios to be interviewed. But when I thought through it, I said, what about these three? We can only have three because we only have three other mics. So we said, what about these three? I think they would do a great job. So thank you for being here. We're so excited to have you today. What I want to do, since it's the 50th anniversary of SBC North Point, I want to just take a moment and talk about that ministry of our church and just the blessing of that ministry and how the Lord has used it. So I want to talk to you ladies, first of all, about your calling to Christian education, because God called all of you. I feel like I can say that with firm confidence, knowing you and working with you. Um, Secondly, I want to just talk about the challenges you faced back then the challenges you feel like we're facing in the future with Christian education. Thirdly, the changes. Has anything changed? Miss Tapp, has anything changed? Oh, yes, they have really changed. All right. Okay. And then what are the commitments we need to be committed to? We want to hear from you, our veterans, who can tell us, the next generation, hey, look, you know, when we do pass the baton, this is what we need to be committed to as Christian education and Christian school for the next generation. So I'm really excited. All right, well, let's jump into it. Let's talk about your calling that God put on your life Mm -hmm. to give your life to our school ministry. So let's just start there. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. All right, Ms. Tapp. I had taught for Memphis City Schools for 10 years, and then I quit. And I knew that I wanted to go back into teaching. And so uh, we had enrolled our son at SBEC, And so I thought uh, I would enjoy working where he was going to school because I had been at Whitehaven Presbyterian, and he had gone to school there. So I applied, and uh, I was rejected uh, the first year. Wait, you applied at SBC, and uh, they rejected the ANTAP? They did. All right, everybody take note of that. I applied the second year, and they rejected me. 
And who was uh, who was the they had person interviewed? We had a different headmaster every year, and the school was not really stabilized then. You can tell if they rejected me, it wasn't stabilized. <laughs> so right. I interviewed the third year, and they rejected me. And so I went home and I told my husband, I said, I felt certain that this was the Lord's calling on my life. I still do, but I've missed the boat. I thought that this was where I needed to be, but obviously SBEC does not feel that way. So I said, I will not, I will not apply again. So I had interviewed like in March, and it was not until the first week, I think, of September, SBEC called me, and it was one of those years where they had um, the, one of the largest enrollments, and so I had never taught social studies, and they said, we need a social studies teacher, and I said, okay, I have an endorsement in social studies, so they gave me six different social studies classes to teach, and I had never taught social studies, and so that was a real challenge, and so I accepted the challenge and stayed here then for 43 years. Wow. And God used you mightily. Uh, we met when I came on in 2001, and I used to teach Bible in your room because mm-hmm. back in those days, we didn't have, I used to teach Bible in Mr. Friend's room mm-hmm. because back in those days, we didn't have enough room for all the teachers. So we had to have a group of teachers that rotated around. So God has just been faithful. We called y'all travelers. We were the travelers. That's (laughs) right. That's right. So, Mr. Friend, your story is probably a little different because you spent time on the mission field. Yes. Um, Well, my son went to North SBC back in the day at the old school. And um, then we, through a series of events, I ended up teaching in Korea with at my brother's organization, the Network of International Christian Schools. And I was there for seven years. Well, about the fifth year, or maybe the sixth year, I came home uh, for a recruiting session in February, and Paula Roten, who is a former teacher, caught me in the hall one day, and she said, I need to talk to you when I was at church. And they were looking for an English-slash-drama teacher. And I still had a year on my contract in Korea, and I talked to her, talked to Mr. Manley about it, and I said, I really would love to take the position, but I have one more year on my contract, and I really can't break it. And I went back to Korea knowing that position was going to get filled by someone else, kind of brokenhearted, but I really felt that I needed to fulfill my obligation. And a few months later, Mr. Manley called me in Korea and asked me if I was still planning to come home after my contract was up, and I said, yes, and he said, we need to talk. And through interviews on the phone in Korea. Uh, I was hired to come on and teach uh, senior English and theater, and I just retired last year after 26 years here. Wow, yeah, and what a blessing Mr. Friend was. Mm -hmm. Uh, I used to be in her plays, and then my daughter got to be in your musicals and plays, and she carries that distinction, right? So it's funny because we remember Mr. Friend back before you, Sherry Ray did the drama, and the kids would say, you know, 
know how kids are. They they compared me to the previous Bible teacher, Mr. Veldman, and I always got that. And you'd get the show. Oh, she's not Sherry Ray. Well, now that Shelly's come, oh, she's not Judy Dufresne. I mean, everybody's <laughs> talking about how she's not Judy Dufresne, you know, or whatever. That's just the way everybody does. They get used to something, and and it's just it's humorous. So you've certainly gained that reputation now. Now, Miss Manley, you were one of the first graduating seniors at SBC in 19, should I say it? Go ahead. 1999. It's documented. No, <laughs> 1974, the year I was born. I'm sorry. You graduated high school. <laughs> and I was only six. Well, I turned 17 before I graduated three weeks. So I was 17. I was a young one. Um, yeah, the uh, school was formed, and the children left in my house that year were going to go to four different schools. Um, Memphis City School was changing their system around, and um, SBC opened, and it was going to be a 1 through 12 school, so all four children that were still at home could go to school there, and we went to Graceland Baptist, the high school. The little ones went to Broadway, and we got in the new building on Tulane about March, and graduation was the first week of June. So I went away to college, and while I was there, um, the final year is when Broadway stepped in and took the school um, independently by itself. And so as a graduating education major, I was hoping to get hired. And um, so there were a few of us that were getting ready to graduate that were members of Broadway and hoped that that would be enough clout to get us in the door. So Brenda Wilkinson was brought on as my elementary principal, and she did the interviewing, and I got a first grade position. But in the meantime, I was a newlywed and was going to have a baby. So at that time, you only you taught semester. So I left and went home and had a baby and um, came back a few years later. So. And how many years have you been teaching at, at North Point? SBC? 39. 39 years. But okay. I was not, I mean, I took that little break, but we were here. Ours yeah. is, mine is a plural story, not a... Because your husband, yes, David... we who, came yeah. as... He was still in college, and I was just graduated, and it was an amazing story. But anyway, we've been here, except for three years we left, and other than that. So 39 years for you, 26 Six. for Mr. Friend, and... 43. Oh, Miss Tap wins. She does you win. win. The, you win the years. She wins. Okay. So long ministry, God called you all to do this. When you look back over your life, I mean, this is where you gave yourself. Uh, this is where you gave your ministry. I mean, we know you were in Korea, Mr. Friend. We know you spent three years. We know you were in Memphis City Schools. But but the bulk of, would you say the bulk of your life and ministry was right here? Mm-hmm. So when when I say that, what comes to your mind? Oh, there's a lot of emotion and memories for me. Um, it's my children, my husband, me. I mean, it's just been home, and I can't separate church school because it just kind of flows together. I mean, that's it's all one big world that I've lived in. For me, the hardest thing about retiring last year, I kind of not really a full-on depression, mm-hmm. but I did go through a syrup. A, a moment of grieving for a couple of months because mm-hmm. when you invest your life into something, the the people that I worked with were my family, mm-hmm. and the kids that I taught were my children, and truly felt that way. Mm-hmm. And so you invest into that, and then when it's gone, I felt lost. Mm-hmm. And 
there's some initiative on my part and there's some other things. I'm okay with it now. But um, you you put your life, you, like you said, it's your life. It's your life. It's your home. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I, I was here every day because of theater. I was here many days, 14 hours. And this is my life. Mm-hmm. And when that goes, it just goes real fast. It's a hard process. And and you do, uh, you know, I've not been there in retirement, but I've been there leaving churches. You you love them and you want to still be a part, but then you feel like, oh, now I've got to go do this next chapter of my life and I don't really know what to do. And so, Miss Tab, you've retired as well. So you two have retired. But Miss Manley, you, you have said basically they're going to have to pry your fingers yeah. off of your cold, dead podium. Well, Is that's that what right? they said, too, in their face. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's my hope. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm grateful that I get to still do it. Yeah. And, you know, you said something about this was your life. And, and I, you've often talked about David, your husband, would say to people, you know, some of you are here while your children are here, but this is this is my whole life. I'll be here my whole life. And he would say that to board members at times who, you know, were serving because maybe their kids were in the school. And he would say that to teachers. He would say that to parents. You know, Joe, your brother, Judy, she he told me he's my neighbor. You know, well, you're my neighbor. And we, we talk, you know, neighbors talk. And Joe, Joe told me something interesting. He said, you know, we were so involved up at SBC until our kids graduated. And then we just kind of stopped. And he said, it's not that we didn't love the school. It's just that I guess you don't have kids there any longer. And so you're not going to ball games and you're not going to drama and you're not doing those things. And it just accidentally becomes not a part of your life. But yet there's some people, and I think you're all those people. It is your life. It's your, it's been your whole life. And so, you know, two of you have retired. Um, I'm just going to quickly ask this question. How could, how can you keep, keep the ministry part of your life? And Judy, I know that's what you're saying. It's been really hard. Um, I don't know. What, what do you I've, think? I've Ms. had Tapp? the opportunity to, um, be a volunteer and volunteering is great because you get to choose what you want to do and uh, i was telling judy on on saturday i volunteered to come up here and work at the 50th anniversary for are you going to be in the dunk tank no i am not now i may end up there i don't (laughs) know but i haven't planned that part but i come up here and i help with giving like advanced placement exams i have helped with act i've helped set up rooms for uh testing uh i've served on uh, scholarship committees and so i keep involved and uh i think probably for me right now the thing that is just overwhelming is to see so many of my former students as adults serving the Lord, bringing their children back here to this school uh, in in their uh, professions. They have excelled. Uh, my attorney is a former student and graduate. My insurance agent is a former student. Uh, my dentist is a former student and graduate. The delightful young man doing this podcast uh, <laughs> is is a former student. Timothy. Timothy. Yes, he's and sitting so behind there. Yeah, have, being able to see them serve the Lord, uh, being uh, so good in their profession, and there have been families where 
I have had the privilege of teaching the mother and daddy and all their children. Mm. And so that's really full circle, you know, when you do that. And I stay involved. And and when I first came and our son was here and you were talking about the family aspect, my husband was here every single day. He was here every single day. And it was such a part of our family that when John Mark would fill out his uh, annual paper, they'd say, what's your father's? occupation and he would say parks cars at football games <laughs> because that's what he saw you know his daddy do and so you just become embedded in in every part of it mm-hmm. and it it just you look forward to it do, do you think that's one reason why some families choose north point i mean i know that's a big deal to my family when we moved to texas it was a shock because we had taught at SBC and they had room mothers and we had senior sponsor mothers and dads and the family, like what mm-hmm. you're talking about, everybody was involved. So when Amanda taught fourth grade, there were always moms. What can I do for you? How can I help you? You know, same when we were senior sponsors, there was always a lot of parental involvement. And so we get to Texas and the public school system. And their attitude is, we don't want any of you coming in here all day long. This is a closed campus. Now, there's reasons, and it's mm-hmm. the days that we lived in, but, you know, it's a closed campus. And, and I, I remember even offering to the kindergarten teacher for Lacey, I'll be happy to come read a book if you would like me to read to give you a few minutes. And they didn't even really want that. And I remember telling Amanda back then, I'm just so shocked. Why are they so opposed to parental involvement? And she said, honey, this is not SBC. You know, at SBC, they wanted that. It was a family affair. In these schools, it's not. You come, you drop your kid off. That's just the way it is. And it took me time to kind of adjust to that. So I think you're right. There is a big family affair sometimes that's a blessing to the teacher and sometimes it's a curse can you all stop these parents roaming the hallways but you know sometimes it's it's a blessing sometimes it's a curse i think a perfect picture of that is friday night football Mm. because it is a social event Mm -hmm. and all parents teachers students alumni all come together on a friday night and I can remember I always sat over where all the parents sit over on the side and uh, alumni coming to see you. You know, they always come back. They want to see you. They want to tell you what they're doing. And I think that familial idea is portrayed on that night Mm -hmm. uh, because it just represents kind of what the school is about, I think. Mm -hmm. You know what encourages me, too, about alumni? Now, not all of them serve the Lord. We definitely have those alumni that you know, struggle when they leave us. But there is a good record of people that I could point to and say, I'm really encouraged because they're in a strong marriage that started as dating at SBC. And I can point to these kids today. They've got kids here. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, wow, that's really neat. They started in the ninth grade, you know, or, or whatever the case may be. And you can also see that many of them are serving the Lord. I mean, not all of them, but many of them are still serving the Lord, and that's encouraging to see um, how many of them are just in their local churches serving. How many of them are are just being faithful parents? How many of them are involved in a in in a ministry, maybe missions or preaching? Uh, several alumni. I was at a 
missions conference two days ago, and there was some of our alumni who are pastors now at that missions conference. And I thought, how neat. I taught him in the eighth grade, and it's good to see him serving the Lord today. So, But I want to say, too, what's exciting is when you see those students who have walked out of here and have either verbally or non-verbally said, I'll never enter those doors again. And they show back up. Either they were dismissed for behavior or difficulties, and they show back up with their children five, ten years later, and they're so thankful and, and verbalize. I didn't know what I had, or I didn't appreciate it. I threw it away, but this is what I want for my child. Those are the ones that I'm like, are you kidding? So-and-so <laughs> wants to be here. Uh, and yeah, it's I'm exciting. surprised at some of the kids yeah. Some of the kids that are here now. I'm like, wow, so their parents brought them here. Okay. So there <laughs> is fruit later on that sometimes we don't get to see. Yeah. Until and later. I think that's the greatest testimony to our school when our graduates want to bring their children back Mm -hmm. absolutely well so that's your calling that god placed on your life and how he used you um let me ask you this what what were the challenges when you were teaching at a christian school specifically north point sbc uh what were some of the challenges that you faced it could be personal it could be professional what would you say because not everything's rosy. When I first came, and the school was so young, and it uh, had had several different headmasters, and we were all Christians, and we were all teachers, but nobody knew what a Christian teacher looked like. And so Brother Bobby began very early to bring in People, uh, I remember he brought in Tim LaHaye. He brought in all kinds of people to try to show us what a Christian teacher looked like. And uh, then when Paul Young came, he was just wonderful about sending us to conferences, bringing people in, because even though we were Christians and we were teachers, there's a lot to be said to develop a Christian school teacher. It's not just a glorified Sunday school. It is a classroom where you want to make sure that everything you teach is in line with the truth of the Bible. And for most of us, we had never been to a Christian college. You know, we hadn't been exposed to that. So it was so foreign to us. And I think for the first 10 years, that was the greatest challenge that the whole school faced, trying to determine exactly what a Christian school, the mission should be, what the classroom should be, what our lesson plans should have. And that was very difficult. So on on a professional level, that was for me uh, the greatest challenge. On a personal level, it was the technology. There's something about teaching old dogs new tricks. Oh, my word. <laughs> uh, my students got me through that. But uh, the technology, that was very difficult for me. Well, what surprises me, and you mentioned Brother Bobby had brought in all these people, we have old recordings uh, in the church office, in the vaults, that mm-hmm. 
uh, that show brother Bobby, he used to have a radio program mm-hmm. and uh, you can hear him on this radio program and he goes to the old campus and he interviews people and he talks to teachers. Now, this would have been, you know, late 70s. Mm-hmm. And he, one of the shows in particular that I think about he was saying, why sh- Why do we have Christian education? And sticking the microphone mm-hmm. in people's face. And, you know, he's trying to convince the radio audience, this is why you should consider Christian education, why you should consider SBEC, and why we have what we have. So so that was a challenge. You could even see it in, in his questions and in his voice and all of that. So The whole concept of Christian education was so new. And then as our school began to grow and the uh, Christian education movement grew, there were wonderful organizations. And uh, I know David led some of those, and uh, he would keep up with the latest. And we were always exposed to great speakers. And um, the Christian education movement really began to grow um, about that time and, and our school was challenged, you know, to keep up with it, and and we did. And I think that's part of the reason that we have such a strong foundation right now is because we very early built the curriculum around Christian truth. And I, I want to interrupt and say, as a young teacher and with, between the Brother Bobby and the Mr. Young, I can remember writing papers. You know, we were assigned mm-hmm. books to read, and we had to write mm-hmm. philosophy and understand a biblical worldview in and out of the classroom. But I remember one of the challenges, David and I both were young, um, feeling like as an employee, uh, uh, getting to have a position at SBC was was such a privilege. Now, it wasn't a, a club but there felt like there was such a responsibility to be an as-unto-the-Lord lifestyle. So I can remember us really learning, as, and we were young Christians, trying to discern and to figure out how should we live because that felt as important as how do we teach. Hmm. So our lifestyle, it wasn't that it was a challenge negatively. What does that mean i got to give up and I can't do and be? But it was as much about how are you walking with Christ personally and how's this flowing into your teaching and school relationships Mm -hmm. parent relationships how you deal with them um how you deal with each other and i think mr young's thing about that matthew 18 Mm -hmm. lord knows i had to do the matthew 18 more than anybody in the building i mean if you've got something you got to go to the person and i know that every time i showed up at a door it's like are you kidding Again, are we doing Matthew 18 again? So there was so much of a challenge, and it was a good challenge because to grow as a, a, a Christian and to be able to be a part of a ministry every day that you were in a setting, in an environment that flourished and grew that part of us. So I didn't think it was just as much as education as it was about my personal walk with Christ. Mm-hmm. It was good. It was a good thing. And I think we were frequently reminded that when our students were fully trained, Mm. they would be like their teacher. And I didn't like that that verse. I'm sorry. I didn't (laughs) like it either. And uh, 
one day we had a dress-up day or something, and I hate to let this out of the bag, but I wear false eyelashes. And here comes these my whole class with these huge, long eyelashes, the ones that are like everyone's wearing today. And I said, well, there you go. When a student is fully trained, they'll be just like their teacher. There you go. I can't <laughs> tell that you wear fake eyelashes. So, yeah. Oh, gosh, I hate to disappoint you. I'm sorry. Well, do, do you think, though, you said that was our challenge the first 10 years. I would say looking back over my involvement in the school over the last, you know, I came on faculty in 2001, so let's just start there. I'd say that's always been our challenge. That has mm-hmm. always been, is keeping the mission the main thing. And, and it's so easy to veer off of that, and people get confused. And every time you add new people who have not had that training, who have not been under that authority or whatever the case may be, they, they may be great people. But do they understand the vision and the philosophy that is what makes this distinctly Christian education? So I don't know. And some don't, and they never do. And most of the time, they voluntarily leave because it's not what they had expected. And they're not willing to change, and we're steadfast on keeping the truth the truth. God's Word, and most of the time when people come in who have not had that training, they they will voluntarily leave. Hmm. Okay. What do you think, Mr. Friend? You've been awfully quiet over there. <laughs> well, I came in 96, and I had been seven years on the mission field. To be very honest with you, I was so glad to be in an air-conditioned building. <laughs> I thought I'd landed in heaven, but um, because, you know, I came off the mission field where we were in a open windows and had fans and you had diesel fuel heaters in your room. No, seriously. Um, I felt that I had landed in a really soft place when I came to North Point. I knew a lot about SBEC. My child had gone to school here. I had um, seen, I knew of it, I knew about it, but to, I got to experience it for the first time, and I just remember the, um, I remember the compassion of our administration on my life. I just remember I went through reverse culture shock, and I would mouth off a little bit about teachers here didn't know what it was like to suffer. You know, I, I did. It was just tough for me. Not Mr. Friend. Not me. <laughs> Mouthing off, but being one honest. Day I was walking down the hall, and um, I guess I had an expression on my face, and David Manley said, are you okay? And I said, I'm fine. And he said, come here. And we went in his office, and he goes, are you okay? And I just burst out crying. And I think for the the idea for me was that this man really does care about me. And I came out of a mission school where we survived, and it was tough. But to come here in a nice facility and but to still have someone who cared about his teachers and who cared about our spiritual well-being. I had been trained. I went to a Christian college. I was very fortunate that I did, and I'd been teaching in Christian schools before I came here for about nine years. And uh, we'd gotten some of that training, but the intensity of it here was sometimes overwhelming, you know, of what uh, our expectations were, their expectations of us. But what I have I found was that I bought into it. It became my comfort. It became what 
was an expression of me. And so for the first time, I think, and, and I, I cherish my moments on the mission field. I promise I do. But it was a hardship. Coming here, I said it was truly like landing in heaven. We had our problems. We dealt with kids who were doing drugs, and we dealt with kids that drank, and we dealt with all of that. We still do at this school. They're kids. Mm-hmm. But the idea was that our administration in general it was always dealt with with compassion and with sternness and with understanding of future repercussions. And the kids didn't understand it always. But I'm like you. You see those kids 15 years later, you know, with their kids here, and you think, wow. And I've had kids come up to me and say, Mr. Friend, thank you for sticking with me. Thank you for not giving up on me. Thank you for always praying. You know, because it becomes... A lifestyle for you here and um, kids will leave and go to public school and come back within months because they don't get that somewhere else mm-hmm. and they they'll see it or their parents see it so I think for me I got to come in after a lot of the groundwork had been done with you guys and with with Miss Tapp and all those teachers that marked the way for us and when I came here I felt like This was where God wanted me. I knew God was calling to be a teacher when I was nine years old because of a teacher in my life. I thought, I want to be like her. And I knew that. And and I came as a single person who was loved and appreciated and not judged because of my prior life. And my child was loved here. He would have graduated here had we been in the States. And um, so I feel like it's a place of comfort and it's a place of rules and it's a place of discipline but it's a place of compassion and Mm -hmm. that changed my life so Mm -hmm. and those are good things right discipline rules compassion all together very good things um yeah those are always challenges but you're right they come back and i had a student when i became pastor here he saw me at a football game mr friend he came up and he said, I'm so sorry. That's the first thing he said. He said, we gave you heck. And uh, they did. It was in your room. You were in there. And you remember that. And you, you had the old uh, chair closet. Because when I started here working in 1990 as moving chairs with Mike Stevenson, because the sanctuary was in the gym, we stored the chairs in your classroom yes. that is now Miss Sanderson's classroom. Yes. It used to just be a little bitty closet. And they stuck Judy DeFriend in that little closet. And then I would come in there to teach. Yes. And you remember that semester. It was the class, oh, remember that, oh, five. They were horrible. They were. They were just horrible. Uh, Tony's <laughs> zipping it. But some classes were good and some were, were just rough. And this student, he just came up. He's got his kid here now, and he said, I'm so sorry. And I just chuckled. I got a big old laugh out of it. I said, thank you so much. No no harm, no foul. I mean, Well, I think the kids know that they're loved. They mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. that they're loved here. Not always liked, yeah. but they're always loved. Yeah. And I think that it, that goes a long way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... What are the changes that you've seen over the years? I mean, go back and, and Miss Tap, you're our, our our ultimate veteran, our five star general here. But what are the changes? You told me once 
Now, this was a long time ago. I don't forget things. That they used to check to see if you were tithing. Yes, that that. If was, you were a teacher, you had to tithe to the church. We ha- we signed a contract, and there were certain um, elements in that. And at that particular time, my husband was not even saved, and um, I would uh, have to get permission from him to teach because he really wanted me to stay at home. And uh, so. At this particular time, David was the headmaster, and my husband was not a Christian, and uh, they we were signing like tithe cards, and you would tell how much you were going to give. Do y'all remember that? Well, we did. Uh, that was before me. <laughs> okay, and so I went to David, and I said, David, I said, um, my husband is not a member of the church. He allows me to give and tithe my salary, but he doesn't tithe his salary, so does that disqualify me from being a teacher here? So I said, I want you to know right on the front end, and he said, no, that does not. If you are tithing, you know, your salary, uh, then you're fine. But I was scared to death, you know, that the wrath of God would come down and burn me up in my classroom if I signed that contract and didn't do that. And it was just such a wonderful thing because uh, after that, um, my husband got sick one day and David came to my room and said, we need to go home, your husband's really ill. And we went home, and David got down beside the bed and told my husband. He prayed for him, and he said, Your life will never change until you give it to the Lord. And he was so instrumental in witnessing and testifying to my husband, who eventually became saved and became such a generous giver. Wow. He was a very generous giver. Wayne was a deacon at Broadway, but nobody... Probably very few remember that story. Well, see, when he for was an unbeliever. me, my greatest blessing that I've received from the school was the fact that our son was able to go here. And I feel like this school, with my husband's participation, he was here every day. And the godly men who witnessed to him, and eventually he became a Christian, that I think the school is so, so responsible for it. And, of course, the church is responsible for the school. So, you know, it's a chain. But he was exposed to godly men every single day when he came here. And uh, the witness to him and his becoming Christian and knowing that I will see him again is greatest blessing for me. Hmm. Let me go back to the tithing, because when you hear that today, Miss Tony, if if other teachers were told today you have to sign a card to work here and you have to tithe to Broadway, they had to tithe to Broadway. Did they have to be members? No, they did not have to tithe to Broadway. They had to be a tither at their local church. At their local church. The, The general part of the contract said you would be an active member of a Bible teaching New Testament church. And so you were expected, I don't know what active member meant, if you had to come three times a week or whatever, but part of being an active member is tithing, attending, Mm -hmm. that type of thing. That's the way they explained it, you know, when we would go over the contract. So So if if we said something like, and this is no 
shot to anything today, but my, how times have changed. It's just the culture has changed, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, could you imagine if we said that today? No, because, you know, so much of what we're probably describing in our early years would sound very legalistic. Um, being a, a young Christian, I didn't know about legalism. I've always made a joke and said it's a good thing that I didn't know about freedom in Christ when I came to Christ. I didn't need freedom. I needed boundaries and accountability. So for us, it was it was a good guideline. Whatever the church, you know, it, it, I'm not going to say the church ruled the school, but definitely Broadway had a... Um, a presence, would y'all say? I mean, it, we were very aware of the presence of Broadway. There wasn't a fear factor. It was, a, I don't know. I, I just never separated Broadway and SBC from each other. So, do you separate them today? I don't. No, because I, I think we were so well trained that it was a ministry. Right. And we we never had the rule that every teacher had to belong to Broadway. Mm-hmm. And we talked about that, and we all thought that was never going to be the case. We didn't want that because it is so good, in my opinion, to have teachers from all other churches, and they bring in so many good ideas from their churches. And, uh, you know, we, we hear... To me, if you're an active member of a church, when you come back to school, you talk about it. And I love, uh, you know, you'll go into lunch on Monday and someone will say, oh, man, we had the best sermon today, blah, blah, blah. Or our church did this over the weekend. And they share all that. And we all benefit from all the good things from the other churches. So I was really happy that that was never a stipulation that every teacher had to belong to Broadway. I think that would be a a real hindrance to the ministry if that were the case. Mm-hmm. But there was but the there present. was a commonality that we all were involved in our churches, our life. So it wasn't strange to not be in a church. And the other teachers, I think, yeah. loved and respected our church. You know, mm-hmm. they they weren't members here. But they they were very, very positive toward toward our church. I would say in general, wouldn't you say that they loved Brother Bobby? I mean, he was. They did. Yeah. Uh, they 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 loved Brother Bobby. And Mr. Young was so. I don't know. How do you say it? It was it was just one. I didn't ever really separate a lot of it. And and with with Brother um, Paul being on church staff and on. School staff, there was such continuity there. I mean, there was, I never saw a break between the church and the school when, um, when Paul, you know, was in charge. And then the school got so large and demanded so much attention that the school administrator had to relinquish church activities in order to totally dedicate his position to the school because it just got so large and so active and so much was involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's definitely challenges with that as both grow, right? Mm-hmm. As the church grows, as the school grows, mm-hmm. because the school is not what it was even 20 years ago. It was smaller. It was mm-hmm. a smaller school population. And do you think because of the culture 
people are now knocking the doors down to get in. That wasn't always the case. Is that fair to say? But I think it's the case now because I was having this discussion with a, another person who doesn't go to Broadway, and they were saying, you know, that their mother, their grandmother said, you know, uh, North Point is what my school was 60 years ago. And now to, to get what I had 60 years ago in America, you have to you have to pay for private education. And I, I don't know if that's accurate. I don't know if that's true. But that discussion was had. And I thought, well, how how interesting. There's probably a lot of truth to that. I mean, I remember at Horn Lake High School every morning over the intercom, our principal, Jimmy Johnston, who was a deacon at Carriage Hills Baptist Church, who was a faithful man of God would get on the intercom, and he would read Scripture, and we would pledge allegiance to the flag, and we would pray. He read the Bible, and we prayed. Now, it wasn't until he suffered a heart attack in 1989 that that stopped. It only stopped because Mr. Johnston was gone. But I remember that, and I think, man, could you imagine that today at Horn Lake High School? Could you imagine the principal getting on the intercom and saying, you know, Galatians chapter 220 says, I'm crucified in Christ. Let's pray. Let's pledge allegiance. Here's the announcements. I don't know. It was just a different time in my day. And we've seen the culture shift. And so, I don't know, maybe some people are coming here because they think this is a this is a holdout. I don't know. Is that fair? Well, that's a sad thing for me to, to know that public schools cannot do that because I, of course, experienced the same thing being so old. But today... Um, today, if, if, like you say, if they tried to do that, it, it would not go at all. But people come here expecting that, and they are thrilled when they see how much of that. There was a time where many people thought that's all we did inside these walls was read the Bible and pray. But then when our academics became so strong and our sports became so strong and God blessed us with this wonderful campus people in the community knew this was for real and I think they could see the hand of God on this place and they wanted the protection of it the security of it the safety of it and again the memories that they had in the past of what school was like uh, it's like going into the Cracker Barrel store and seeing all those old things. They come here and walk in our school, and they see all of those things that they remember from their school. That There's got to be a level of unity in, what, in, in the philosophy, and that's the thing. A lot of people come here not knowing and understanding what we're all about until they get into it. Um, it's, and I'm speaking from the elementary, the little people's side. Uh, a lot of my, a lot of parents will say they want the rigor, they want the the excellence, they want that, but they really are looking for some people. I love what Judy said about the compassion. They want to know that you care about my child, good, bad, or indifferent. They want to know that you are operating from a biblical perspective. You know. Um, my parents, I have to hope and know that they trust my heart. And when there's not a level of trust, 
that's where it, it comes down to for the little people. I don't know, you know, like I said, I feel like we have two worlds because we're talking about two different people. Oh, I don't know that it's so different. Well, see, I'm sitting here thinking my little people are different than your big people. Well, yes. But my parents come in at a different mindset than when they get to y'all. We've had a lot of years, and sometimes they're tired when they get to y'all. We mm-hmm. get them fresh and excited. Mm-hmm. and um, But there's got to be this unity that they understand why I'm doing what I'm doing. And that keeps me thinking, is this biblical? Am, am, I, am I doing this out of a right heart attitude as unto Christ? And that's one of the things I beat on with my little people all the time. It's as unto the Lord. Are we doing this as unto the Lord? These rules that you think are rules are out of heart of love. God wants to protect us. So everything we're doing today is for your good. It's for your protection. It's for your growth. It's for your training for the next level, level, whether it's academics or behavior or relationships. It's all all about Jesus. And so to constantly try to teach little ones to see it through that perspective. So when we look to the future, what are the commitments? You veterans, what would you tell the next generation be committed to when it comes to Christian education? What are the distinctives? What are the commitments? Be committed to the truth of the Scripture. It will never change. And that's what we have to stand firm on, uh, the truth. The Bible is true. And just like she was saying, I ran into uh, a student, and I had not seen this student for like 30 years, and the student said to me, God expects us to do everything decently and in order. And I stood back, and she said, you said that to me over and over when I did not want to follow you know, the rules. And I said, well, that's the truth of the scripture. God expects us to do that. And she said, I did it, but I didn't always do it happily. So I think even even that part of it, standing firm in the truth of the scriptures because they never change. Hmm. What else? What are some commitments? One of the things, two of the things that I think I have had so impounded, Jesus was full of grace and truth. He, he could biblically he well he was Jesus he did both well and if I do too much of one it's not good if I do too much grace and not enough truth and not enough truth and not enough grace it's got to be leveled and then for my little people to learn God is the authority there will always be an authority and that's good news that's not scary that's not bad but authority grace and truth there's a time to drop a hammer, and there's a time to show mercy. But to be able to do that well, I know that that's, that's a, those are life principles that must be done in a church and a school. I'm sure that you would speak to all that. Mm-hmm. But um, those are things for us, responsibility, excellence, grace and truth, and authority mm-hmm. for mine. What about it, Mr. Fern? What are commitments for the future? What would you tell the next generation? Teach well. Teach with confidence, teach with compassion, and love your kids. Mm. Even when they're not lovable, love your kids. Yeah, that's a challenge today. It's a challenge, but it's needed, isn't it? And that should be distinct with our teachers. They should have hearts of compassion. I'm here. I'm called. 
I'm not just doing this to get a discount. I'm not saying anybody would do that, but we all know that that could be a possibility. I'm not just doing this because it's sanitized. I often will say the four S's of why people choose Christian education, and they're not all bad, but only one should be supreme. Some people choose it because it's a sanitized environment. Some people choose it because of SAT scores, okay, the academics. Some people choose it because of the sports. They want to play, and maybe they can't play at another location, so I can play here. And then some people choose it because of Scripture, and that really should be the supreme motivation. The other things are not bad. I mean, I don't want an unsanitized environment Mm -hmm. for my children. I want it to be sanitized. I don't want my kids to have low SAT scores, and I'm only using SAT, not ACT, because it's it's it, it rhymes. It goes with it's the S. Yeah, it's an S. That's right. So, but but when you think about why do people choose this school, I'm going to tell you they're somewhere on that spectrum of those four S's. But what we've got to communicate is it's got to be scripture. And if you choose to teach here, it has to be scripture. Uh, that that's most important. And I think that's just a challenge any organization faces and i think that's a challenge for the future um if if, one more question i didn't have this written down but if you if you were if if a parent came to you and they said should i send my child to north point what would you tell them what advice would you give them and this is what brother bobby used to do on his radio program why should you send your child to a distinctly christian environment what would you say what would your answer be if you're looking um, to send your child to a school so they can get discipline, don't send them here. If you're looking to send your child to a school to get an excellent education, maybe send them here. If you're looking for a place to give your children a safe haven, maybe this is the right place. But I think it's, does this school line up with Scripture, and does it line up with your family values? Then perhaps this is the right place for you. Hmm. Mr. Young always said uh, that three-legged, whatever, three-braided cord, he'd always say that when the home, the church, and the school are in unity, Mm -hmm. that's a strength Mm -hmm. that's, you know, really difficult to beat. So I loved all that. Oh, that's good. Mm -hmm. Three-corded strand, Mm -hmm. home, church, school. school. You you can't beat it. That's good. What do you think, Ms. Tapp? I would say that I would say to a, a parent, if you want your child to grow in their love for Jesus, then send them here because they'll have an opportunity for that. Or if you have a child that doesn't know the Lord, they'll have an opportunity to learn about them. And there'll be some people who don't want their children to have any part with Jesus, but they still send them here. People from other religions do. And oftentimes, I've had kids to come back to me and say, "Uh, you know, my parents think I'm practicing so-and-so, but I've given my heart to Jesus, and I want to grow with him. So even for those who are not inclined toward Christianity, uh, they can still send their children here. Mm-hmm. Sacrifice. You had to make sacrifices. Mm. Uh, let me let me just throw that out because I don't want this to end without the word sacrifice. If someone were asking, should I sacrifice the money to send my mm-hmm. child to North Point, and they asked you that question, 
you sacrificed a lot, all of you. Talk to me about that for just a moment. I, I had this conversation with a person, and he was saying, you know, there goes my lake house. If, if we're, we're committed to sending our child to North Point for the next 12 years, I guess I need to go ahead and just scratch off future lake house because I'm going to have bought a lake house with the tuition that I'm going to have paid. And I just responded, well, it's a sacrifice on so many levels. The church sacrifices, the teachers sacrifice, uh, they can make more down the road. Uh, parents sacrifice. I mean, the list could go on and on. There's a lot of sacrifices that are made, mm -hmm. but is it a worthy sacrifice? What were your sacrifices? Well, again, you know, we got partial tuition, but we had to pay the other half. And I'd think, okay, this money could have been a vacation. This could have been a new sofa in the living room. But as John Mark began to grow and, and thrive at this school, we knew that it was the best money we ever spent. Hmm. And uh, even to this day, as we look back, we do not regret one cent that we spent. And it is a sacrifice because we didn't have a lot of money. And uh, the eternal, the eternal interest that you learn, <laughs> that you earn when you send your children here, it's just uh, priceless. And and you haven't shared this, but for those who don't know, John Mark went went to be with the Lord, mm -hmm. 1982? Na 92. 92. Mm -hmm. 1992. So you look back losing mm -hmm. your son mm -hmm. and think, thank God we spent that. The right. sofa, I, the I new sofa the, wasn't worth it. Right, right. Okay. Never regret one cent that we spent for his education. What about teachers? Mr. Friend, you could have made more money. Um, probably. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but you, you you were faithful and you stayed and that's sacrifice, yes, right? I think uh, I think that as a and I was a single person at the time with no other income, I think that God just stretched my dollars because there were some weeks that uh, I didn't know how I was gonna make it. And um but the, really and truly God's been good. And when my son was in school here, it was really hard. My parents, thank goodness, stepped up and helped me a lot with his tuition. But I think it's just the idea that when you know that God has put something on your heart and on your in your life and said, this is where I want you, he does provide a way. And it's not always the easy way, but he provides a way. And my cars didn't break down and my little house was sufficient, and through the years it improved, and um, it was worth everything. Mm -hmm. I, I, I have no regrets, mm -hmm. none, none whatsoever. I've never taught in public schools. I've always taught in Christian schools, three different ones, and God has always provided. And um, to God be the glory for that. Mm, it's great. What do you think, Miss Tony? You and David sacrificed a lot, but you were blessed in a lot of ways. You have three boys yeah, who are faithfully yeah. serving God. One on the mission. One is one of our missionaries at Broadway yeah. uh, that we support. Um, I think, you know, I don't know. I'm sure him handling the finances probably saw it or looked at it totally different than me. Um, where it would come out in our house is where the boys would see other lifestyles and see their lifestyle. And so from time to time that came up in discussion. This was who we are, this is where God's put us, this is our income, and this is what your dad and I do. 
So I think it came up more that way. David never really um, shared if it was a frustration or a, um, a, a an inconvenience. He he just, I guess, when you believe you're doing what God's called you to do, you just know it's enough. And so I think, and there were times too, we would always wonder how are we going to do this when they go to college, because they were so close in age. Three college tuitions at one time was always a concern and. So the joke was, are you going to go on academics, athletics, or the arts? Pick your poison, but you got to get some money. <laughs> it was kind of like there's always a way to get some money. But um, the Lord just took care of it. Again, just like these ladies say, you can't – sometimes it's not a sacrifice. It's a joy when you're where God wants you to be and you're doing what he wants you to do. So I, I don't know that either one of us would have ever said it was a sacrifice. Mm-hmm. But it was an incredible – journey for everybody yes and i want to tell you too watching these ladies and i think they would say that over the years we've gotten to see a lot of joys and heartaches in each other's lives and i think that's been one of the things i would say about the sbc north point no matter whether it's joy or heartache you've got your people these people here will pour into you um and i think that hopefully parents and students see that because it, it's an amazing place, and I haven't been enough places to be able to compare either, but by far this is an amazing place to live. Well, it's, it is like family. It I mean, is. your lives, you all would, would say, and you've, you've testified here, SBC North Point changed your life in a million ways, and you have no regrets. I mean, like mm-hmm. Mr. Friend said, no regrets. Mm-hmm. I look at my life, how it changed my life. I mean, I came here, and— you know, I, I I had no idea what God was going to do by me coming here through Rick Griffin, who interviewed and got me to David and said, I think I found our next Bible teacher. I had no idea that one day I'd buy his house, <laughs> Rick's house, and I would live there, you know, through that relationship. And I had no idea that coming here, this is where I'd meet my wife, who was a fourth grade teacher. We would get married here and then I'd come back. And be the pastor here. I mean, I never imagined that. When 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 that proposal, hey, would you like to teach some classes at SBC? I thought SBC. I thought they meant like come in and teach for an hour or something like once. No, no, no. We want to hire you. And that was like a life changing thing. And and I think about it. It became family, right? So you think about the people that loved us. I mean, I know like Martha Stevenson talked about. You know, when her daughter passed away, the school body, the faculty was like family. Miss Tapp, you were in the room that day with her. And then when Elaine Jenkins' son passed away, the ladies were able to be there for her. And when life moments happened, the faculty was like family. I mean, they just all gathered around. I mean, Miss Manley, you told me where to go get Amanda's ring. You said, go up to Golden Diamonds on Winchester. And Jeff Lee was the guy who sold me my ring, who's now in the church. And I'm just thinking, you know, it's funny how the Lord just worked everything out. And and, uh, Dan Ray told me, hey, there's a pretty young fourth grade teacher we just hired. You ought to check her out. And so I I did and we got married and it's it's just neat to see how the lord used all those people in my life your life our story it's a family it's great i mean you just you just look at us they can't see us but over here we're just there's so much smiling because the remembrances 
are so sweet. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, the, the teacher devotion you wrote uh, on legacy, we're all leaving one. And our little devoted group yesterday had the best conversation about not holding on to the past, but looking. And Al Ainsworth, who is a word master, you know, talked about looking back and staying stuck is nostalgia, but looking ahead is legacy. And I thought there was so much good in being able to talk through some stories yesterday of the past. But, you know, even people in the room were talking about just grandparents and and in personal stories. So, you know, God just gives us all such sweet stories. Mm. Yeah. Amen to that. Well, on that note, ladies, thank you for coming and sharing your stories, and thank you for being a part of the podcast. Now you're obligated to listen to it so you can hear yourself, right? So on that note, we will uh, we will end today's podcast uh, as we've talked to what, – what are we going to call you? The three queens of North Point? Is that what uh, you want to be on called? On my hall, it would be dinosaur. <laughs> By far, the old one that is, is dwelling on the halls. All right. Well, the three amigos or the golden girls or just whatever you want. One. There it is. You'll take Golden Girl. Okay. If if you were a Golden Girl, Tony Tony Manley, who would you be? Blanche, Dorothy, Sophia, or Rose? The, probably the roughest and the crudest. Who was that one? <laughs> no, I, I think you would be Rose. I Which think one is she? Rose. She's uh, Betty White. Oh, good. Because <laughs> on Steel be, Magnolias, and, I'm Sally Field. And, and Miss uh, Tap, I think you would be... Uh, who would she be? She'd be the wild one. <laughs> Blanche? You would be Blanche? Okay. Oh Miss Ta- Miss DeFriend, you would be Dorothy. You'd be uh, the level-headed, yeah, telling everybody this is what you need to do. Yeah. And who would be Sweet. Sophia, the older one? Who would be Sophia? Who do we want to throw that on? Paula Miller? Paul, Nalita uh, Young? Nalita. Nalita. No, no. Gladys Busby. Oh, there you go. That's right. Sophia. Perfect. All right. On that note, we're, we're out. out.